you get off on the weird? Monsters, Halloween, horror. You've heard of word porn, car porn, earth porn. Now prepare yourself for monster porn. Is this really a good idea? Weird fiction and horror podcast. Created by the Backwards Hat Guy, Matt Cummins. Are you trying to teach psychic powers to animals? Puggles, the abomination trapped in the body of an adorable teacup piggy. Good for humans. And myself, lead occultist, Brett Norwood. Today's story is Sucker by Brett Norwood. Well, Matt, we should probably say once again, this podcast is not actually porn, because today's episode absolutely includes some sexy interstellar tentacle action. And we should probably discourage our fan from wanker baiting to it. You know who you are. Matt, how do you feel about tentacle action? <laughs> Matt, something sounds different about you today. <clears throat> <clears throat> Sorry. Uh, ooh, tentacles. That's right. Everything's better with tentacles. B-movies, sex, soccer, sandwiches, everything. Before we go on to the show, I'd like to say thanks for the reviews on Apple Podcasts. If you want to help the show grow, it only takes a minute to leave an Apple Podcast review, and we appreciate every single one of them. Apple Podcast user Zteniodsinibedhkmsivik says, My favorite kind of porn. I love the stories. They entertain me on my long drive to and from work. I would love to submit a story sometime. Nothing but monster love from this fan. Thanks, uh, Z. That's an awesome review. Also, please hit subscribe wherever you are listening. That's how this show grows. Thanks to you, our loyal monster baiters. Anything else, Matt? <laughs> Dang it. Um, no. Nope. Nope. That's it. Go on to the show. Brett, why are we on a farm? Why are you dressed like a farmer? We're going farming at the fan farm. Fan farm? That's right. We need to cultivate our fan base, so we're going fan farming. These rows of sprouts that look like mud-stuck mandrakes will be our future listeners, Matt. Mandrakes? They look more like man-babies. I hear they whine like mandrakes, too. Here, let's try harvesting a few. Whoops, this is the Star Wars plot. Uh, let's try this row. Let's try a different one. Captain Marvel has too much boobs! Okay. Things will be better when we get out of the Marvel patch. It seems that in their desire to make the crop as large and hardy as possible, this patch has been hit with way too much fertilizer and pesticides, making it... Toxic? Something like that. Let's try this one. Okay, this patch looks better. I like podcasts. This seems like the right direction. It certainly does. 
Try another. Geez, this one here looks like a blue ribbon winner at the fair. Uh, <laughs> Monsterborn! Ooh, I like Monsterborn! <laughs> Creepy porn guy. Well, we've got a wheelbarrow full of fanchilds. What now? Wait, the wheelbarrow is empty. Look, we're surrounded. Where did the fandrakes get the pitchforks? We are on a farm. What do they want? I have been elected the YouTube opinion influencer of this disgruntled mob. As longtime fans of your brand, we feel your content is representative of the destructive culture of our times. And that fact that your film has grossed over one billion says something about what? Our film? Aren't you the guys who wrote The Joker? Uh, no. We're a monster porn podcast. What in the fuck is that? It came up doe-eyed and silent. Like someone opened the portal to life. It's exquisite tits and lithe waist made an incomparable frame. I found it, or it found me maybe, near the bay on the walking path. It was brunette, had hazel eyes. Its skin was like ours, but <laughs> less gross and more like silicon. I had only heard of them at this point, as they were all over the news and all the rage. Literal rage for some women, NPR wouldn't let me forget. It, or she, was perfectly human and wholly alive, having but two significant and obvious departures from God's design of Eve. The four-foot tongue she normally concealed, that was four-sided and covered in suckers reminiscent of an octopus arm, and the extra bonus slots beside the two, the natural and the provisional, that God otherwise granted them down there. It was my first meeting with one of the extra-stellar biological artifices, or EBAs, commonly known on the street as space whores. We thought it was War of the Worlds when the ships came, looking, as they do, like various tabletop dice, geometric yet pitted with dots. But it turned out we were living in the smut knockoff adaptation of the same. As the dice ships all hovered over our cities, we held our breath. World leaders dropped their usual games along with their jaws to exchange hushed whispers of striking first and asking questions later. Flocks of predator drones migrated through every city, keeping tabs and sights on the arrivals. Even small towns tended to get two or three of the visitors. The major cities got swarms. More would come later. NASA had no idea where they came from. NASA only became aware of them when they breached the orbit of the moon, which is not terribly reassuring from the people supposed to be saving us from asteroids. For three days, no one had any idea what was going on, and we could all probably sense the commander-in-chief's sweaty trigger finger getting twitchy. Then they came down on the White House lawn like a bad black-and-white 50s sci-fi thriller. Three of the ships, a cube, a dodecahedron, and an octahedron, 
Some really thought fake news had truly jumped the shark, as they watched CNN and saw the portal on the cube drop like a drawbridge. And a beautiful fucking bikini model descended in the nude, put her hand on the president's chest, and then fucked his brains out and to pay off on national TV. Nobody even knew what to say, not even the pundits. When it cut to that usual self-righteous silver fox of political opinion whose name I forget, her mouth just hung open, her left hand idly resting on her aghast breast, and then cut back to the live feed. By then, other space whores had begun to disembark, in Washington and elsewhere. The new age had begun. When that first golden-haired space whore dismounted our flushed and wheezing commander-in-chief, it squatted over his chest, still in his disheveled suit, and ten golden discs rained from one or more of its vaginas onto him, like a reverse money shot of literal alien money. They cut to the network's title card. Rumors went around my town in the days following. Men were hunting the streets and making claims of their encounters of the nth kind. Suddenly, long meditative walks were very popular among men. But you could tell the mere talk from the real winners if they showed you the tokens. I guess I'll jump on ahead a bit. Scientists discovered quickly that the extrastellar biological artifices would not produce babies. Instead, they dispensed tokens, usually when they came or pending non-stop action when you pulled out. And the number of tokens had a loose correlation to the attractiveness of the space whore and also to the male performance. But, both being subjective, it is a little hard to pin down the correlation exactly. The tokens bore symbols that seemed unique to each space whore's identity. Like I said, I found my first one on the path by the beach, and this wasn't until a month or so had passed. You know, at first I was too proud. I wasn't going to be one of these predictable douches to suddenly exhibit a strong affinity for long walks. A lot of couples broke up in those days, let me tell you. And for their part, the men weren't too miffed about it. But you know, I had no relationship tying me down, and the only thing holding me back was my pride. Its face was rather blank at first. I appreciated her straight brown hair. I thought it was nice. She was naked like they always were. They had about as much interest in clothes as house cats do. I had no idea how to interact with it. I was nervous. Was there any charm involved? Any particular attraction? Could I be refused? Did she or it understand English? Would being with an outer space alien be weird? Could I get it up? I looked her in the hazel eye and smiled and said, Hello. She smiled. It was nice. And that was about all there was to it, apparently. She was touching me right then and there. Guiding her with a gentlemanly hand on the lower back, I brought her back to my apartment. She was touchy-feely the whole way, and I got lots of dirty looks from the jealous dudes. Indignant and or disgusted young women and scandalized old folks. I tried not to look at anyone. This three-way judge fest was the exact reason my pride had kept me pent up in my apartment until this point. OMG and holy Christ cow was it worth every step of that walk of shame. 
At first, I didn't know how I'd feel about the tentacle tongue. Still don't, but it felt about me just fucking fine, let me tell you. The reach-around capabilities alone are out of sight. And the different, uh, options available on these models? Holy shit. I gather that they vary somewhat, but I got four. Tight, loose, and two textures, plus butt. I went down on her, why not? And got pelted with a coin in the face. It was great! She dropped three more before she left. Of course, stories started making the news about the abuse of these God-given wonders. Some men were trying to keep them locked in their houses. Usually they broke out after a while when people tried this. They had little regard for property and a surprising amount of strength. A very few depraved men committed violence against them, unspeakable things. There was an ongoing debate on whether they were sentient or sapient and to what degree on each count. And so it was a question whether they had human rights or if laws even applied to them. The first trial for a murder made that decision. Even if we could not determine the qualities of the aliens' subjective experience or their purpose, we had to give them the benefit of the doubt, assume they are fully human, and, importantly, treat them as human with all local laws applicable, except in a state of war, which was an intriguing caveat. Women responded in several ways to the whole thing. For some, it became an arms race, to compete with sexual objects that would do just about anything. Some women also took it upon themselves to do just about anything, and with the utmost gusto. Others, however, were extremely disturbed by these turns of events, at once despising men for choosing these mere sex dolls over them, while also sorely missing the attention and affection of conventional relationships and feeling abandoned. I can imagine the emotion was a complicated one. Feminist theorists took this dichotomy to the extreme and were torn, with some saying, We need to remove these alien invaders, these fake women. And others saying, Fine, let them have the men. At least they'll stop harassing us. For all feminists, it was just more evidence of what depraved beasts men are. While these pundits accused men of largely acting like the stereotypical pigs and gluttons they are, in reality, their reaction and discourse were basically what you'd expect as well. Another stereotype. Some men made a show of being womanists. They claimed to refuse space whore attention for moral reasons, for the sake of traditionalism, for faith to existing relationships, or for religious reasons. That rich pastor from Texas who, A, closed the doors of his megachurch in the flooding, and B, preached repeatedly against the space horrors was, not surprisingly perhaps, found in a public bathroom stall with a tentacle tongue wrapped around his underwhelming pecker. His wife forgave him. I'm sure there were real womanists out there, married men probably, who were true to their word. And how were the EBAs for those women who had an interest in women? Not good. The EBAs were all 110% straight, apparently. Another reason for women to be indignant, I guess. Gay men were also out of luck. There was no such thing as a space man whore. But some enterprising gay men solved that by dressing up, or rather dressing down, as ones and playing at the role. Another wave of EBAs came, and another. 
they became easier to encounter in general. But each wave also began including chase whores. For example, in the second wave, there was a voluptuous woman with long silver hair, who was rumored to be worth, on average, 40 coins. I, for my part, encountered a redhead from the second wave. She was meek, unassuming, but something I liked. Having a girlish face, a hunkered frame, and smallish breasts. I found her outside the Verizon store on a Tuesday afternoon. We had sex in my apartment, and then she completely cleaned out my fridge. By the time she had refueled her body, I had recovered and we did some more of the sex. If sex is even a fitting name for those debaucheries that had only a semblance to the original natural act of procreation. Afterwards, she rested curled up against my side, her tongue draped wetly across my chest. I was playing with it, investigating its pink suction cups with my fingers. I did something that tickled and she shivered. Glancing over, I caught her green eyes looking plaintively up into mine. That was nice, I said. I rather like you. She, of course, said nothing. A single golden disc lay on my pubic bone where it had fallen. She traced my urethra with the tip of her tongue, her face still pressed against my collar. I looked at her again. She had freckles, very slight. When she went to use the bathroom and to shower, I placed the new coins in my collection. I had one of those binders with sleeves that I kept in the living room on top of the Ikea cubbies. I looked over the coins from my first extraterrestrial encounter, and remembered how she looked and what it had been like. Then I remembered the one I was with, and my smirk broke into a smile. On the one hand, I knew this would be fleeting and she would soon leave me, but on the other... I knew there were now so many fish in the sea. In my sea, I mean. Fish I could never have dreamed of. I took a deep breath and put the book away. I was sprawled on the bed when she came out. I thought she would leave then, but she chose to come over to the bed and lie down. I had my phone and was browsing YouTube. She placed her head against me and seemed to watch the screen. I've always hated TED Talks. I saw them as self-applauding circle jerks of pseudo-intellectuals who like to get together with a figurehead who says to them, Look how smart and progressive I am, and you're smart and progressive for being here. And the audience applauds. However, that day I watched the one from Silicon Valley mogul Raj Emanuel about the EBAs. I was a programmer for 30 years, he said. A hacker, actually. I discovered the Cisco Run Wild exploit, leading to the development of the current generation of blockchain technologies. So why am I here to talk to you about EBAs? I'm not going to deny the current dialogue going on about these things, particularly in relation to women's rights, womanism, and hashtag me first. I'm not denying an important discussion to have, but I'm not here to talk about that. There are already many people having that discussion. Instead, I want to talk to you about hacking. Now, in software, hacking is when someone recognizes an exploit in the existing code. And what I mean by exploit is that either it means the user can use the software in a way that wasn't intended by the developer and get a desired result the developer didn't intend, or by adding some amount of code to the original, it can be modified to give you desired results 
that the original developer didn't intend. Now, I'm not judging anyone with regard to the EBAs. I, like most men these days, have interfaced with several of these biological machines using every input slash output available on the model. But somebody is hacking us. They found a feature in our code that they could exploit by providing the human system with an input our developer, nature, I'm not into intelligent design, had not intended our code to handle. We don't know where these things come from. All we know is that they are biologically engineered from our own DNA to do one thing to us. And that thing is changing society rapidly. I believe someone is hacking the biological differences in the uneven sexual dynamic between men and women. It's the same way the social media mafiosos of the 2000s and 2010s used the dopamine hits of intermittent reward systems to hack human nature and gain a monopoly on personal information before government regulation restrained them and effectively made the EU and United States the information mafia in their place. The question becomes now, with these EBAs, for what end? Why hack human nature? Depopulation? The EBAs don't have offspring. Surveillance? All models of EBA have eyes and ears, don't they? Infiltration or assimilation? Are these biological artifices a semi-human interface between humanity and something fundamentally unhuman? Or could it be simply the destabilization of society? It could be any of these, because the truth is each of these things is already happening. Or could they simply be collecting our genetic information toward, toward whatever end? Billions of years have made the females of most species inherently defensive of their gametes, both physiologically and psychologically, but not so for the males. Males who do not bear the burden of pregnancy have never before had a strong reason to be very sexually defensive. Could that be the primary exploit? As a way to access genetic material? And again, toward what end? We don't know. The how, the why, the where from. That's all I want you to remember. We don't know. Young men, remember that the next time you feel like having a long walk outdoors. I didn't know how I felt about that. Well, I knew how I felt about it. I looked the alien woman in the eye. I never had a woman before your kind came, I confessed. I... I never felt like I had much of a chance, but... It's like now I'm a being who lived his life stuck in a shadow and the sun never shined on me, right? But now there's a whole second sun. And now I get to taste its warmth. I get to know what it feels like to be chosen and to be accepted. I smiled at her and she smiled broadly back, sweet as spring. Thank you for being my fantasy, if only for one day. Gently, tenderly, her tentacle caressed my face.
We're surrounded, Brett. The toxic fan drakes outnumber us. Look, there's a figure descending from heaven. Could it be our salvation? Is it Jesus? Superman. I go by Geralt now. That doesn't sound nearly as impressive. Geralt, help us with these toxic fan drakes. Toxic? Uh, I don't think so. I believe it's the fans' right to have whatever opinion they want. I wouldn't necessarily call that toxic. I'd call it passionate. It must be remembered that entertainment is a service provided to the fans, and you need to please your audience if you want your media to sell. But you need to balance that against your own vision and integrity as creators. There must be a balance and humility. You should count yourselves blessed to have fans who care enough about your property to have strong opinions. You do realize, Geralt, the Fandrakes are, at this very moment, sticking you to a cross. Father, forgive the Fanchilds, for they know not what they do. I do. Every day, my son. Geralt is right, Matt. We don't exist for the fans, the fans exist for us. I don't think that's what Superman was saying, like, at all. Oh my god! You just bit the spokesman in half! <sighs> yeah, man, they're like carrots! Fans are flavorful and nutritious, and we can live off this harvest for days. Huh. Well, you know, as a recently starving artist, it does beat instant ramen. Monster Board Podcast is your organically sourced production of Warped Box Farms. Today's entree was... Sucker by Brett Norwood, the tall one that I ate! Ear lettuce also cultivated by Farmer Brett. Good day, Monsterbaiters. Brett here. If you enjoyed this episode of Monster Porn, first, thanks for being a non-toxic, non-GMO, organic fan turnip. And second, make sure you're subscribed and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It only takes a minute and helps us out a great deal. Let us know how we're doing, or just say how much you like tentacles. Help us know what works and what doesn't, and help others discover and become fans of the show. Check out the Monster Porn store at monsterpornpodcast.com store where you can find t-shirts, phone cases, stickers, 
the Moms Love Monster Porn Mug, Model Train Sets, The Lost Eye of Odin, and the Complete Iliad translated into Pig Latin. That's it! Until the Shark Angels come, stay weird, and Godspeed, Strange Cowboy. And we should probably... Probably. I like podcasts. No, that wasn't right. Oh, well, we've got a wheelbarrow full of fan-childs. As long as fans of your brand... As shit. No. Long time. No. The reach-around capabilities alone are out of sight. I mean, my brown... (laughs) I wrote that... Oh, why did I write this? Made my brown eye cry. Yeah, we're cutting that.